1: Hello. This is the Britflix Fry Fest Preview Series 2019. The Britflix podcast comes absolutely free. So, can I ask a favour? I urge everyone to go over to my iTunes page, Stitcher page, SoundCloud page, or Spotify page, or whatever podcast medium you're using to listen and please rate and review us you can just rate us they all have star meters which can be clicked on in absolutely no time at all just click on it and you're done and it'd be really helpful trust me the higher the star meter the more reviews we get the more ratings we get the more the britflix.com podcast goes up the charts please 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 come on i'm begging you now everyone listening Go to iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud or Spotify pages, type BritFlix.com podcast and rate us. And if you've got a little bit more time on your hands, why not review us as well? Just two or three words of praise will do the world of good. It's really simple and really quick. Now on with the show. Welcome to another BritFlix.com podcast, Frightfest 2019 preview series. My name's Stuart Wright and today's guest, Staten Cousins Rowe. Hello. Hello, Stuart. And Poppy Row, hello. Hello, hello. Right then, we've come to talk about A Serial Killer's Guide to Life, which is a very exciting British dark comedy. Um, I would say if, if Sightseers is a British black comedy of Badlands, then A Serial Killer's Guide to Life is a British black comedy of, film, of, of the ilk of Thelma Louise, if that makes sense. Oh. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. That would be my, non, my kind of general non-spoiler. And obviously for the listener, we're not going to spoil the film. Um, so before, before we do anything else, does one of you want to give us a brief synopsis as to what I'm talking about?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So um, Serial Killers Guide to Life, it's, uh, it follows uh, Lou Farn, who's lost in life, self-help addict, who unwittingly finds herself on a, a killing spree with her unhinged new life coach, Val. That's a short version. That's a short short synopsis of it. (laughs) Um, And that's as much as Lou knows, really, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. She's (laughs) very much, you know, she's very much the passenger Mm. on the journey. And um, she doesn't know what's in store uh, when she meets Val. She meets Val. She's kind of, so Lou, Lou is, is lost in the sense that she lives in this sort of dead end seaside town. She's, She's in a sort of thirty-somethings, and she's uh, she's living with her like, slightly odd and overly controlling mother. Um, so she she really she she's she's a bit of a loser in a way. I mean, she's I mean, not
1: she's not she's not a lawyer in the city yet, is she? To, no, To exactly. She's an, an example of her mother what a mother brings up. Um, now, before we go into detail about you creating this movie, i it's the 20th anniversary of Fright Fest and I'm asking all guests to cite me a memory from their own 20th year. Who wants to go first?
0: Okay. This is a tough one. Um, <coughs> I uh, my, I think the memory that comes back to me the most is probably that was my, it was just about the time that I did my first feature film that I was in. Mm. Um, that was, it was a horror called The Big Finish and I shot it just after, uh, oh. leaving sixth form college and it was um and it was a kind of like a Blair witchy you know found footage mental movie it was my first job ever Mm. and I didn't die in it I was one of the few that didn't die and that was that was quite a big deal for me yeah (laughs) and it showed at rain dance and um and uh yeah it was my first introduction to um to horror
1: movies, I think really. And where did to that where, would, where did that shoot take place?
0: Down in near Brighton. Oh, okay. So in and well in and around Brighton, actually, weirdly that's weird, isn't it? Because that's where we shot us. Yeah. All that time ago. There's
2: yeah. a, a weird little story about that. I'll be quick, but I I actually saw Poppy in that film before mm. I met her. Right. Yeah. Not knowing it was her. So and hardly anyone's seen that film. What? <laughs> hardly anyone has seen that film. You were like yeah. a kind of Mean Girls character in it, weren't you? Yeah, you, I was a snooty
0: you, school girl.
2: Someone snuck a condom into your yeah. baguette or something.
0: Yeah.
2: So there you go. That's 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 how I I was like, yeah, that girl that's just eating a condom. That's that's I, I've got to make <laughs> her my wife.
1: <laughs> I was going to say so then and then and then she grew up to be Val. Yeah.
2: That's
0: it. it all began then. <laughs> 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 Not twenty <do> you? <laughs>
1: My word. So Stan, what about you? What do you remember of your 20th year? What stands out for you?
2: Wow. Yeah, I was thinking back. I think my 20th year was a little bit of a ropey one, actually. Mm. I think it was... uh, I was thinking because I I started as an actor as well, so I I did go to drama school, but I think that was the year... I think it was a mixed year in that I think I, I did some temp work as a milkman in my 20th year. Obviously. Um, and went to drama school that year as well. So, yeah, it was... Um, I, I, <laughs> have you ever been a milkman? Have
1: I? Yeah, I don't know. No, I was. no as, close, as close as I've got, I've put caps on aerosol cans on a production line. That's as good as I've got.
2: That's pretty good. That's cool. I mean, it's one of those jobs which is sort of... Um, you know, it's 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 coming back very slowly now, but for the last 20 years... Did it's, you start uh, like
0: four o'clock in the morning? It's got, no,
2: it started at, I had to get up at half two in the morning for that. Jeez. So, it's bit so bit fairly, like, fairly good training for night shoots then. Yeah. And I, I actually, I only did about three rounds or something because it was so, so tiring. Because you were 20. I, I fell <laughs> off the milk float. I actually fell off the milk float. I wasn't, I mean, you know, I wasn't a, a licensed to drive it. I was the assistant I had to run to the door and back, with mm. the milk, um, and because I was, I was trying to make, I was making like little, little bits of video on the side, but I was a bit confused, I wasn't, I was like, I think I want to be a, an actor, but I really like writing and making films, but um, so I, I thought you were
1: about to say, yeah. but I really like dairy products. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Exactly. <laughs> I want to be
1: an actor, but I really like dairy products.
2: Whether I like the orange or the or the milk on the float, but yeah, I actually fell off, and the guy driving didn't notice, so I headed down the road for about a quarter of a mile with me trying to run and catch up. So that was the highlight of my 20th year. But then, then I went to drama school, and it all got a bit better.
1: <laughs> I did. I must admit, I did. I, actually, you, as you've been talking, i I've, i plucked from my 14 year old memory doing one milk round. My friend of mine was a milk boy, and I did what I've done one milk round. Yeah, but it wasn't paid. I just got up with my friend because I had a sleep. It's a hobby. Well, more of a, more of an incident than a hobby. You know, it kind of never, it never repeated.
2: It never picked up. You were like, I'll give yeah. this a whirl. Well, see if I like it as a hobby. Nah. No, no so but
1: yeah, but it's uh, yeah. Shitty, shitty jobs are, are, are all character building. Well, do you know but what?
2: Like without being it's down in it, milk, it was it. actually it was. You, you got to see the 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 morning, the dawn come up every day, and it was there was something quite romantic about it actually. Uh-huh. But, um, but yeah, it was a bit. Uh...
1: You could as 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 the song would say, you could smile about it now, but at the time it was terrible. <laughs>
2: exactly. <laughs>
1: No. Right then, let's get into your movie, which is playing at Fright Fest, and I'll put a link in the show notes so people can check out when and where. Writing and directing it, Stan, Um Let's let's start with the uh, the sort of genesis of this. What what for you was the was the kernel of the of the idea that sort of set you on the road to making a feature film that's become a serial killer's guide to
2: life? Yeah, well, it's it's sort of like a three three pronged answer. In a way to that. So, so we'd done, um, we'd made a short film called This Way Out, which mm-hmm. I wrote own directed and and made through through our company, for Motion Pictures, with Poppy. Got yet? Um, and uh, and Katie Braben um, uh, and Poppy, uh, both play the leads in, in that film, and that was a jet black comedy about um, a struggling euthanasia centre. Um, people are, uh, was, was <laughs> people are dying to get in. What did you say? People are dying to get in yeah exactly Sorry. I think taglines were full of dark kind of comedy and that that was they they had like um it was almost a, it was a satire in the n h s and they had uh about uh ten days to increase their client numbers or they had to face closure <laughs> so um and it was to do with like satirizing the kind of target driven systems that we live live in now and um and that did that did pretty well we went to about 30 festivals around the world with BAFTA long listed and, um, it was TV by, by HBO and the Sundance channel in Europe and stuff. Mm. And so, um, and I was really, I was writing another script, which I thought would be the feature, my sort of feature debut. Mm. And we were having interest and stuff off of, off of the shore, um, and having various meetings with, with some brilliant companies, you know, household name companies and stuff. Yeah. Um, and then I, I came out of one of the meetings and, um, I just sort of had a little bit of an epiphany that that we needed to make our first feature very much the same way we'd done the short, which was a very homegrown sort of film. That was that short was filmed in our in our own flat as it was at the time, and you know we you know, we sort of put it together ourselves, and we we really wanted to use a lot of the same team or as many as we could as possible from that short with our feature. Got you? It was very much like to keep keep. Oh, sort of am I as a, as a director's voice um, on the first feature, and I'd seen that a lot of directors had done that a lot like you know the Cohen brothers and Christopher nolan and and, uh, and Ben wheatley and 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 it just felt right so I, is this,
1: do you mean do you mean is this supposed to
2: potential offers you had to direct
1: a feature film for somebody else
2: with, mm. with with a bigger budget and things got and, you, got you. or developing a, a, a script? Yeah, you know, it's a budget. Yeah. Um, and so, and, and I had this idea about, about um, that, that was A Serial Killer's Guide to Life. And it was very much about sort of using some of the, the character archetypes that were in This Way Out with, with Poppy and Katie's characters. Mm. And pulling them into a different world. They were great fun characters, but I, I felt like um, I'd sort of covered it in a way. Uh, with this way out the subject matter and if anything that would work as a tv series but it didn't work for me as a film um, doing the euthanasia part of it so um, so then I dug into another system so there was the target driven system for 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 this way out and another system was was the the world of self-help and I, I, I sort of saw it's like an epidemic level of of us as you know society in the western societies consuming self help material and self help blogs and webinars and positive thinking and and so I started to dig into that subject mm. um and really you know find found it was quite a rich scene for 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 a satire about it a jet black comedy with with violence and and horror and um but done in a in a sort of similar tone to this way which was very darkly funny um yeah, so so that that led me to to um to start to build the world um and build the the characters of Lou and Val and and really um and really make this sort of narrative line of of this road Have
1: have either of you
2: used any of the
1: uh facilities that you satirize in the film?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think you know in some ways it was very you know, it's quite a, a personal film. Uh, it was frightening as as that may be to people that watch it and think, wow, that that's, that's personal to Stan. Um <laughs> Is that, you know, I sort of, in a way, it's a journey that I, I went on and have been on, um, which is, which is about like finding who you really are inside. Yeah. And like when you come up against life's obstacles, like Lou does, she's very much imprisoned by the mundane. She's, she's trapped as so many of us, you know, fine we are at different times in our lives both psychologically and physically in a sense by her overly overbearing mother mm. um you know and then and then you work out well when the obstacles come up against you when you want to break free and and find out who what you're really capable of are you going to be a vow in life and smash those obstacles out the way or or you know decimate them um leaving a bloody trail behind you or are you are you a loo are you going to stay trapped and I think that's in some ways that's, that's you know it's quite a personal thing. I think it's in a it's way something a- we
0: can all you know relate to. I think as well. Like I I I'm, I know that when I was growing up and when you know and friends I have now you know I don't know anyone who hasn't read a book or you know watched something that's told them how to be more successful or. Ah. I don't know you know thinner or cleverer or more um, money it's like and there's all these kind of promises and quick fixes out there and every you know I, everyone's kind of gone just for a bit gone yeah this might this might be the thing the key that this might be the key and the key you know that and that's you know why you keep buying more things or you keep you know searching but i think um and this kind of uh this is what the film is about is kind of bringing it and saying you know, is this all is is this all rubbish, or is it is it going to help you? You know, what does help you, what doesn't help you?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I've I I, I had the the benefit of of using a life coach once or twice, and it's quite surreal. In the sense, when you, at the time it feels like you're getting real help, then you leave the room and you go, they just asked me how do I do something, and I've told them, and then i have going to go ahead and do it. So so in a way. The only facilitation they do is to get you to admit what you have to do. There's, there's really, which is, which is a skill, but in a way, it's and it's interesting you talk about the key because I always think of the key, the key element to it is this idea of we somehow decide we're trapped. It's not about, it's not about we're walking around choosing doors. It's getting out of a trap that we're trying to whatever whatever life has given us. We've ended up being sort of trapped, and yeah, definitely, definitely, I've definitely read books and stuff. For myself, I mean, my favourite one is War on Art. I don't know if you know that one. Stephen Pressfield, less of a self help book, more of a kind of if you're going to do this, this is going to be the changes you're going to have to make. And when I read it, I was shitting myself because like you're going to have to lose some of your friends. I'm like, what do you mean lose some of my friends?
0: Oh, (laughs) yes, that sounds
2: slightly val like,
1: (laughs) but 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 in the sense, yeah, it's not killing people. but yeah. but, it, but it is but it is the idea of you have to make you have to prioritise your life, yeah, and that might mean that other people don't see that as a priority. That's
2: all it meant. But, but, you know, but and in a way, you know, like like without going too deep, but it, that's that in a sense that that can be metaphorically killing people, can't it? You're like, oh yeah, removing them from your life. Yeah. That's that's a in some ways is a death, you know, um, and
1: so, so I was gonna say, so so the Val character is kind of the the sort of is, is, is a sort of strident version of a life coach because the life coaches I've met and the people that I know do it, it's, they, they, it's a very soft um, skill sets that they, they, sorry, they adopt a lot of soft skill sets which is to get you to open up, to get you to talk and get you to understand that you're the only obstacle. There's no other obstacles. it's just you. Um, but, va- but Val is not that. Val is this kind of dynamite
0: She's an extreme <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, no,
1: no. But I wrote I mean I wrote down it was like I mean I'd be interested to know what was on the page and what, what you decided to do properly in terms of the character. Yeah. because it was it's the it's the glare that you that you sort of almost have for the moment we meet you. Mm.
0: Um
1: where it's almost to me it felt like you it was like the glare the glare of indifference and cynicism all at the same time on everything and everyone she meets.
0: Yes. So, yeah.
1: So, how much of that was was on the page, and how much of that was a decision to, to to portray that way?
0: I think it was it was definitely there. It was all you know from the script. I think Stanton and I kind of worked on um, on the development of that character to to not be um, you know a kind of psychotic stereotype. Mm. It's not to play. She's not evil. You know, she's not she's not got an evil ambition or anything. She's just doing what she believes is right because she wants to be the best life coach in the world. And, um, and, and it was kind of working with Stutton and, you know, I think Stutton's main direction was do, you know, do less. <laughs> and, and, uh, and it was kind of working on that, that exactly that black, blank, blank indifference to everything. And it's kind of, for me, it was like Val is kind of everything that you you wish. You could be in some ways that you wish that you could just say exactly what you want, when you want and and not care about what anyone thinks about you and just be, you know, kind of brutally honest to people. And um, so Yeah, could-
1: yeah she, is, she is. She's like she is what she says on the ten, as it were, because because Lou never questions it. So we never get to delve any deeper than the surface of what Val, what we see Val do for the moment we meet her. There's no, there's no dogma or anything. There's no like deep rooted um, reason for it. She just, although there maybe is, but you know, but we, what we get from Lou's point of view is 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 someone just being decisive, even though those decisions
0: are quite violent. Yes, and and that's interesting because it, you know, we see Val from Lou's point of view. You know, the film is from Lou's point of view, and that's. You know, perhaps why a lot of the characters become, you know, are quite extreme or, or odd or quirky because they're from her brain and mm. she's you know, she's having a bit of an inner turmoil, you know, time. <laughs>
1: of <laughs> the of the um of the, the self help therapy groups that we visit, which one's your favourite that you would go to in all sincerity?
0: Oh, that's a good
2: question. That's a good question. I think, I think it's got, for me, it would definitely be uh, rebirthing. Yeah, <laughs> this rebirthing or nature therapy.
0: So all the therapies I've they visit during therapy. the they are actual therapies, you know. Oh, I, look, think, I
1: figured it must be. I figured it yeah, must be.
0: And, and you know, there are some crazy therapies out there, and you know, some some are you know, probably more beneficial than others. But one we, we we both enjoyed was the rebirthing, where you revisit your birth and go through your birth when you're born to kind of get rid of the trauma that you're kind of left with from that.
2: So you get to, like, mentally experience going back out of your mother's birth canal. Yeah. You.
0: And then, and like, they right. do it in America, and you, they kind of, you know, squeeze you through, like, bread, bed sheets and... I love and, the
1: fact that you said they do it in America. Like, that's that's like brackets. With a, they, they're the only people that would.
0: think You said...
2: <laughs> but, well, I think what's actually what's in, what's important as well is you know we're not sort of mocking these therapies and things. I think a lot of it's to do with agenda. Like I think when when the agenda of the life coach or the um, or the person enacting out that the, whatever the therapy is 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 in line with genuinely helping people. Yeah. and they've all and they've overcome their own internal problems. Then that's one thing, but. What we're dealing with in in the film are, are each of the life coaches in, or, or people enacting the different therapies. You can see that their agenda is 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 warped. It's they've they've got their own problems that they've not dealt with, and they're using these to sort of run from them rather than deal with them. So there's there's sort of an arrogance, or it gives them a power, or they are getting financial gain. You know Chuck Noah, who is the sort of millionaire American guru in our our film, that Lou is. Lose sort of idolizes um, in a kind of Tony Robbins like way or or, or whatever um, is you can see um, that that it's a business to him you know and that's and that so so and um, and so it's sort of it walked yeah and I think and so I think uh, it's, imp- it's sort of sort of important because I, I, I don't know how you've how you felt. In that way, but each of those people have um, have their own flaws, which is really what we're exposing. What the, ther-
1: the therapists themselves? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, obviously, I mean, because it's it's it, you do it right from the first one. We get to nature's therapy, and, and Ben goes, "Well, we'll sort out the money later, eh?" And and it's kind of like so. Then we can get on with the with the with the snakeskin oil sale, which is hugging trees and putting up tents. I mean, you can you could literally go to a, a municipal campsite and put a tent up and sleep outside. For, for next to nothing, but obviously, we, or you could pay Ben, and Ben will just
2: sit with you, while you do it. And I think that's, because, um, you know, it's like, it's like with, with, with. I remember reading some quite famous, you know, I read loads, and, and did lots of research, hmm. for for the, the thing, but there's also ones that I'd read, you know, you know back in, in the 20s and stuff, that like we were talking about, 20th years and stuff, to try and unlock the key, like you were talking about with, um, with your life coach that you went to see. And mm. and and I remember reading one and it said, Yeah, so, you know, I was poor or whatever, and then and then and it was quite a famous one. Um and then I uh, I realised I could write a book and sell it to everyone and then I could become a millionaire. And then I become rich. So and, and they were talking about the actual book that you're reading. And so you go, Well so your main reason for telling writing this stuff was was to tell me that you to, was to get some money off me because you wanted... And it's, it's like a form of pyramid selling because what essentially they're saying is, and you could do this too and that would solve all your problems having money. And obviously we know that, you know, having money is not the way to solve psychological problems. <laughs>
1: Deep, routine. Deep routine. No, no, no. I, saw, I don't know if you saw the Tony Robbins documentary on Netflix which was, was scarily uncritical, but it, it didn't really need to be given what it was showing you. Uh, and you've got people in the audience who clearly are struggling with something, but they're throwing $5,000 at him. And you're like, how the hell have you reached the point where you think throwing $5,000 at a stranger and sitting in a room with, what, 2,000, 3,000 people and thinking you're getting a service? <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. And that that's where <clears throat> where something is sort of a, a theme that's quite... Uh, rooted in the, in the, in the film, it it might, it may or may not spot it. The the connection with like the self-help business and, and some elements of religion, Mm. evangelistic sort of, you know, that when you get huge arenas full of, of American preachers or whatever, and they're exactly doing the same thing, saying the more you give, the more to, to, to God, the more benefit you'll get. And it's a similar thing where, you know, what like you were talking about then, you know, give me $5,000 and I'll show you the way to, to feel better when, uh, and there are bona fide ways of doing that, which is through actual genuine sort of psychodynamic therapy and counseling and that kind of way, which, which actually work on solving the core problems rather than just dealing with a symptom. And, uh, um, which again, uh, from a personal point of view, that was, I, I had to, I had uh, actual um, psychodynamic therapy for for about six seven years, mm. and that was the sort of t- moment when when I was able to actually solve the internal problems um, and and sort of overcome them rather than simply move from book to book or webinar to webinar you know
1: yeah yeah, and also i guess i guess it's it 's the idea that and, and it was the, the phrase mentioned earlier, i suppose is that there is no quick fix to most things, you know. You know, there is there's no like six minute YouTube clip you can watch or hundred page pamphlet that you can read that's gonna have the key to your the key to how you survive the rest
2: of your life. Yeah, and it sort of links in as well to filmmaking in that sense as mm. well. It? No, it's, you can't again you can't watch a six minute clip to, to how to make a, a film, but you can gather, you can listen and pick up Lots over a period of time with film. Oh, no, I mean,
1: it's parallels with the kind of world you show in the film and how I've imagined writers' retreats.
2: Yeah. Yes.
1: Be- yeah. Because
0: if only you had a writers' retreat. <laughs>
1: yeah. I've. I want to write something, so I'll pay someone to put me up in their house to write when I can just write anyway. That strikes me as insane. But you know, if it helps you get from A to B, then then obviously it's got all the value in the world. But I can't imagine eight out of ten people are getting anything more than they would have done if they stayed at home. <clears throat> but anyway, that's uh, that's my, my own cynical view of that, <laughs> of that world. Uh, so let's get on to, let's get back to more specifically a movie. Um, you you you've set it in a British seaside town. You go across sort of you go around what, what I what is like the British countryside. And what I, what I really loved about there's two extremes that I loved about what you show. In terms of what your camera gives us, is on the one hand there's 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 just making Britain look cinematic. It, it, it was something that I really loved about when I saw. I mean, it's not to it's not to drag it in as a direct comparison, but it was one of the things that I loved about Sightseers was that we're traveling around Britain, and Ben Wheatley took the time with him when he's cinematographer to make make us. Look at Britain like we would look at like we see many American road movies, and we go, "Oh, look! Isn't it interesting in the details they give us, the big vistas they give us?" And then we we don't think of Britain that way. And I thought, I thought you did an excellent job of of framing what you wanted us to look at that that made it rich, and and the colors and the lighting that you were you were working to really sort of you. you I felt like I was in the summer of Britain, if that
2: makes sense. Yeah. 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 Um, the old British it, countryside. Yeah, but something I, I talked with um, James Layton, the mm. cinematographer. Yeah. It's all important to remember we shot this in, in only two weeks. Wowzers. Uh, two crazy two, weeks. Two weeks and like 28, 30 locations. Um, with a, so you like to make it easy for yourself then? Yeah, yeah. exactly. So <laughs> with, with, a, with a sort of minuscule um, budget. Mm. and um, But I talked with James uh, a lot of, about, sort of wanted to, in a some of the vistas to get that, that sort of almost kind of like you're talking about, almost like a wild West sort of to, where you, where you get the you, the feeling of the scale mm. of the landscape, um, the breadth of it and, and looking at um, American road trip movies um, and actually some old sort of classic British ones that, um, that haven't been heard of for a long time and seeing that sort of the difference between them. In their treatment, you know, a lot of them were very constrained on Britain and, and felt. Um, but I felt it was important to sort of position Val and Lou in, in an inner a scape, as it were, you know, with space while they're on this kind of odyssey across it. Mm. Epic so I'm, I'm, I'm pleased that I'm glad that that came across to you. I mean, I mean one,
1: one, one of my favourites. I mean, I'm, I'm still I've only really just watched it, but one one that stood out that I, I literally I had to make a note of because I just re from a photography point of view, it's just a beautiful thing, and also the way the scene played out because the camera doesn't move. Is there's there's the um, where the camper van is half in profile of the whole screen, and Val goes to join Lou, I think, and we just hear the talking, but the camera doesn't move. We just see the walk to Lou. And it's such a, it's so loaded Um, and it's, and it felt like the real language of cinema to me, you know, because it would have been tempting just to follow her. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, But instead you held that moment to let the the thing and then just cut to here they are having a heart to heart. But it was, it was just those two, the, 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 the two extremes of giving us the sense of the grandness of the British countryside. But but with with a beautiful you know like the, like I say with the half with the with the way the camper van impinged on the image as well, and she's what I think she kind of walks into frame through even through the frame of the window I think of the car. <clears throat> it's really really nice, really nice. It's a touch. nice
0: fact about that shot as well because in the background mm. it's a there's a South Downs at the background and there's a V, um in in the trees, that the shape of the trees are in a V shape which is um. Queen Victoria. Uh, uh, Albert put that up for Queen Victoria. Really? Uh, yeah, and we we.
2: strike restrict for you there.
0: We yeah, we spotted that because obviously it's V for Val. It's Yeah, Val's, yeah, yeah. Val's was thing, and that's kind of really uh, prominent in that shot. So I'm very proud of that shot. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now it's not often I get this chance, but obviously, Poppy, as you 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 were acting and Saturn was directing um, from from the actor's point of view. All the relationships aside, uh, all of the relationships aside, um, what 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 does what, what was what does statin doing from your point of view to ensure that you know you can do your job?
0: He's grinning at me now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I realise I've put you on the spot, but you know, I feel like I feel A like relationship cl- ending. I feel like you're married, so I feel like I can ask that. <laughs>
0: Well, it was hard because we were—I mean, we were both juggling quite a few roles during this this mm. shoot, and because um, we were both producing it, and and then taking on—you know—I was, you know, trying to focus totally on being an actor, yeah—and Stat was trying to focus totally on being a director during the shoot. Mm. So um, we we had a very—it was very professional, actually. Although well, we had our moments.
2: You're looking at me like <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't I don't <laughs> want to pull any plastic but, off old wounds. Come
1: special. on.
0: I'm, I mean, Stutton's direction—he's got a lovely approach to actors, and I think that's why you know there's you know the performances in this film are so great and so um, detailed, and like every role, all, all um, the ranges of roles are, are beautifully kind of um, filled because Stutton has this kind of calm um, assurance uh, to actors, and I think um, he kind of lets them have space, um, you know, but feels you feel supported as well. And I felt like um, the only, the only uh, that, that was kind of the nice easy bit was was the direction and 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 performing bits. It was the, it was the kind of crazy producing around the edges that 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 you know sent me a bit mental. I was going
1: to say, so, so from your point of view, how do you obviously you, the cast and the crew have all got relationships, and obviously as the producer, um, that's a relationship as well that you've got to sort of balance. How do you sort of how do you manage that? Keep starting out the argument, sort of producing, so he can get on with directing while everyone else has got questions about this, that, and the other. And some might be, well, I think I could do a better performance there, you know, or that kind of thing. Do you? Are you? Are you shielding from any of that? Is that? Well, that we, did,
0: we had two great people. We had Giles Alderson and Charity Wakefield came on um, for the shoot mm. and uh, and kind of they were kind of managing the day to day got you. and stuff. So it so it did have that security. So you know, it was kind of. I was able to just focus more on the acting. But it is funny because I think producing and acting are just totally different heads because, like, the producer in me was like, right, that's fine, we've got that, move on. You know, we've got a schedule to get to the end of, like, keep going. And the actor was like, oh, can I, you know, do it again? I think I can do better, you know. Can we just do it from yeah. a different angle? And, you know, like, they're totally different voices in in, in my head. So I think it was... I think, but I think it helped with that with the character that was playing that she was quite. Because
2: um, it's it's important but, to say that, like we did a lot of one a lot of what you see is is the only take we got.
0: Yeah, one or two takes. We didn't have time. You know, it was it was fast.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, this is
1: I mean, again, only, it, it, there are similarities, but but because I interviewed Alice Lowe when she was in sightseers and she said that Ben Week that was it was it was about twice as long as your shoot I think, uh, but it, that's still not a long shoot by any stretch. And she, was, she talks a lot about how the speed at which he works to get it done was actually gave the, gives, gives the film an energy. So I imagine there was a, there's a latent energy to your film with, with even less days to do it, given it's a road movie. It was something yeah,
2: we, yeah, yeah we, uh, you know, it was almost like I knew that if I was going to do this film with, with a, like, in quotation marks, a proper budget, yeah, what, what I'd need to do it that showed everybody that it was possible to pull it off, would be too big in order to justify the film, like with the cast and crew that I wanted to make it with. Yeah. So it was almost like, subversely, it was like this: this is this is such a, a sort of manic journey that these characters go on. I, I think we and I brought you on board into that way of thinking as well. Mm-hmm. That we that we will let's do it in two weeks and let's exactly that. Let's harness the energy. Yeah, you know, I, I organised the schedule so as best as possible. Where we could, it would be um, chronological as well, so that we could. Oh, that's interesting. So help, that because in yeah. that level of time, that's speed, <clears throat> when you're dealing with one or two takes per setup, you you, you know you need to help people as much as the actors to be able to not jump around too much. Their emotional states, and of course, it's always going to be a bit out of order. But mm-hmm. we, you know, we planned the the different locations. Because I drove about a thousand miles, no joke, looking at locations all around wow. Sussex, because we sourced all of them our, ourselves and yeah. went and found them. Um, and, and then plotted the schedule so it would be a kind of road trip for all of us in a way, yeah. going through it. And So, so it's um, like a film Sharabang
0: exactly exactly you can see it in the main character as well like you can see like we towards the end of the shoot we obviously were kind of exhausted and that kind of helped because it was in the film as well because
2: it was towards the end yeah Yeah, very much and we stayed we we like um we lived at um poppy's parents and my in-laws for the for the shoot and actually their house is the sound therapy location
1: Ah, okay,
2: okay. So, um, because we we had a two year old, our our daughter was about two, two and a half at the time, and we knew we had to have childcare. So we sort of organized the whole thing around this central point. And we chanced it
0: around them,
1: yeah. No, no this it's, it's all this all brilliant because this is the kind of you know the the practicalities of getting it made are are as important as the creative decisions you take. Yeah, yeah.
2: So, so, and going back to your your original point, there, so yeah, very much it was we wanted to harness that energy and just kind of chuck it all into this crazy two weeks.
1: And what, a, what advice would you give? I mean, filmmakers thinking of that kind of lurching around from place to place, is that, is there, is obviously securing locations is one thing, but I'm guessing some of the places where you shot was, was opportunistic as much as it was
2: permission was, was available. No, so we're all, every single one is permission. I okay. think
0: that's the biggest advice we would give, which is plan operation okay, yeah. so you never had the threat
1: you never feared the threat of, of no get this no. The camera I, before we get I, caught
2: for me like I, I i wanted to know that the film from a distribution point of view and all of that it was safe Got you. and there's a certain legal requirements that come in as you get further down that chain yeah yeah, yeah. Like, you know um and so i i from that from a producer perspective um needed to ensure all of that, that 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 it would all it would all have a legal the correct legal change although we
0: did lose a location during the shoot um, and it was our final scene location it was like really important one and we and we lost it just to some technical things and and uh so we had to go and do yeah. a recce on the the only day off and find a <laughs> new one and uh, and it was quite scary because it was, a, it was near a really a main road and we were terrified that if the wind was going in the wrong direction, you just wouldn't hear the actors, we wouldn't pick up the sound and it, it did get a little bit risky then.
2: Yeah, well, when you're halfway through your two week shoot and you, haven't, you don't have your end. <laughs> it's really yeah, yeah, no,
1: I can imagine. Now, you, you, you co-edited it, is that right?
2: So yeah. yeah, so we yeah Poppy and I edited it together. So yeah. given
1: all that, given given the writing, the development that went into it, given the journey you went on to produce it, what then did you discover that was a pleasant surprise for you that began to shape it and maybe change it from an original vision you had?
2: I think that's um, that's an really interesting point. I think I would storyboarded a lot, quite heavily again, so we could work, mm. so we could work fast. Yeah. Uh, Having said that, there were shots that we, you know, we found obviously extra extra shots and things through, through James's uh, beautiful eye, uh, the, the cinematographer. Um, I think, but when we sat down with it, I think it was, um, it was nice because there was a kind of extra level of energy in a lot of the coverage and shots yeah. you know, that, that had fed into it. That perhaps even, you know, to stay mobile, I, 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 I ensured that we only had um, like one very, well, quite a small mobile monitor, so what I was looking through was, so there wasn't lots of moving, lots of video villages to move around, suddenly you lose so much time with that kind of stuff so um, so I could see that the shot covered what, what I needed but then when you get in the edit suite and you're a bit calmer and everything then we could see these sort of extra moments and, and energy in it
0: It was and, nice to... to- to uh, experiment with with different editing techniques to kind of enhance moments mm. in the script. You know, we you know we use quite a lot of um, like flash cuts and uh, you know we uh, we kind of jump back and forth and layer um, shots and there's quite a lot of um uh, kind of surreal techniques that we kind of developed um as editors because so this was my first um editing of, uh, feature got
2: you and, well,
0: uh, yeah
2: we, we'd never well neither of us have had ever been credited as an editor or anything no, force. So yeah. technically this is the first thing we've ever edited well
1: congratulations uh, in terms of the because in sense that yeah there's there's the, the, you through those techniques that you, you describe you kind of we we get a sense of of lou's uh, rise, fall, rise, or whatever However, you want. I won't, won't want to spoil what, where we go, but you definitely deliver on that. Um, and the reason I ask about the, the, the what discoveries in the edit is because I felt like so much of what... Because given the complex gamut of emotions that everyone's going through, whether that be the sort of nilism of, of Val and the kind of confused to enlightened of... Um, sorry, frightened, confused to enlightened of Lou... Um, is that you manage to pull all that off a lot of times without a word being spoken? It's just the kind of look between the two actors.
2: It's a very visual film. Yeah, sequences, and that it's was not a lot of dialogue, is there? No. Oh. And I was very, you know, I, I, I'm a huge fan, as obviously almost like pretty much everyone of, of Kubrick's films and, hmm. and the sequences without dialogue and and communicating through image. And there's also sort of various sort of um, music underscored and slow motion and things sequences through the film as well um and uh so i'm 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 very pleased that came across uh, to was was that on
1: the page then as well you were you were confident enough about people sitting down looking at each other and that they'll know what to do as it were when I point the camera at them, so to speak or we'll discuss it
2: well I, again, yeah, very much like I, I, so I storyboarded and of course um they they there would would have been moments where where they um, did things that that we weren't expecting. But for the majority, without sounding overly controlling or whatever, essentially <laughs> like all the all the visual sequences were all storyboarded and and were all in my head really. Mm. I think the crew and cast weren't really sure what what was going on when we shot a lot of those little bits of slow motion and stuff like that. But but we
0: well, knew you knew what was going on. I knew I just what trusted was going on. You. <laughs> Nobody else. <laughs> yeah. Ever. <laughs> and I think in during the editing process we actually took some we did we did cut some dialogue out even more I think mm-hmm. we kind of just you know
2: but but and I think I'm trying to think of like like for instance when there's sort of there's moments when you look to Lou in in slow motion and things like that there were yeah there were there were some there were some lovely moments that we that sort of came out like even better than than I had hoped they would, if you know what I mean. I think you're always going to get like I think in a way you plan so that you know what you need, and then hopefully with everybody's input it will then elevate just yeah. in places to things where you're like, oh my god, that came across like really well or really cool. Or, and
0: know. it was a positive and negative, wasn't it? Having two, like having one or two takes, you know, you didn't you really had to kind of mind the 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 shots we had. You know, um, you know. Of course, of course, we. You know, there are sometimes we were like, oh, we just missed, you know, a bit and thing, But it was usually, it was usually kind of nicer, kind of refreshing, just to have that. Right, we have that take. Let's make this, you know, work. And it kind of. And I think that gave it a kind of energy to the to the final film. I think um, I became quite obsessed with with editing with uh with this with this film. Like I'd literally be in the middle of the night, kind of wake up and go, I know, I know what to do. I know what to do with this scene.
1: Like, and uh, which is which is yeah. <laughs> is, is, is that I mean, because I, I only write, I don't, I don't edit at all. I mean, is is it is it like I guess it's like in writing, you can just do what you want with editing, you've got what you you get what you're given, don't you? So to speak, yeah. you,
2: like you know, I, I I liken it very much to, to the writing process, it's like the other the flip side of the writing process. you got mm. you know, you write your script, you shoot it, and then you edit it, and it's like a kind of mirror of writing. I, I think it's akin to. Um, you know that when you, as a screenwriter, you will know that you, you know you write your drafts, but there's certain points where you where you edit them, right? You tweak what's there, or you cut it, or you move this scene to there, or whatever, and and that's your your script editing, but that's editing, and you're just doing the same process, but with image and sound on the other side. So although you can't then add lines, as it were, although you can through ADR and things if you need to, we we, we didn't with with this film, but there's a surprising amount that you can if you need to, kind of rewrite, as it were, in the in the editing process that is akin to, to the screenwriting process. Right, I
1: think. It never ceases to... I mean, it always blows your mind that that's possible, but but obviously it's what, you know, they do say you write, you produce, and you edit. So you kind of write a film three times in in, in a practical sense. Um, now, your film your film has been picked up by the big sponsors of the Fright Fest, of hasn't it? Your, your film's been picked up by Arrow.
2: Yeah, the Fantastic
1: wonderful Arrow films.
0: Arrow films. Yes,
1: which is pretty funky,
2: isn't it? Pretty darn cool, isn't it? Yeah, I know. For for a room, for a film you, you you edit in your your bed, spare bedroom is. Uh... <laughs> yeah,
0: we were thrilled when when they took us on, and um and uh...
2: they were they were one of those companies that you know at the start it, we, we would have been like, oh my god, this this films we're going to be distributed by Arrow Films. We yeah. they have so many titles which are just Sort of synonymous with you know the, the 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 best in cinema and, and yeah the coolest and, films and even things like you know library library films like Heather's and and and, and things like that as well. So yeah, yeah. You're,
1: you're joining a healthy canon there. Yeah,
2: yeah and we're really
0: excited to be as a world premiere at FrightFest mm. uh, this August twenty twenty fourth, I think. Yeah, twenty fourth.
1: Poppy, it's like you read me mind. I was just getting up the details. I was about to say it's your world
0: premiere <laughs> twenty fourth. Prince Charles Cinema.
2: Fantastic. So
0: say. are you
2: going to be in attendance?
0: Absolutely. Well,
2: um, I think it's important to say we're, Poppy's due with our second child. Um, okay. Extraordinarily, our, the, the, her due date is the same day as the premiere, the 24th of August. It's
0: like I planned it. <laughs>
1: this is very meta given the rebirth scenes. Like, yeah, the exactly. idea that
2: you could give birth
1: yeah. during you a and a
2: a secret cinema-esque, like, live-action birth going on
0: underneath the screen. It could get very scary.
1: <laughs> so that child, when it, when that child's on a podcast in decades to come, so what do you... Oh, well, I was born at a quick Q&A of
0: a world premiere. <laughs> be a proper horror show. <laughs> so, you know, come along just for that, you know. Well, look, guys, thank
1: you very much for uh, giving us your time on the podcast. I'll put a link in the show notes so people can check out more details about Prince Charles and stuff.
2: I was just going to say, um, I think there'll be a bunch of our cast there as well at the screen. Okay. So Katie Braven who plays Lou, and then Tommy Wah Eden, who, who plays uh, Ben, and Ben Lloyd-Hughes, who uh, is Chuck as well. A um, host of others are going to be there. So, yeah, we'll have a proper crowd down there. And the Q&A. For the Q&A and everything. Yeah. So
1: Nice one. Well, look, thank you very much.
2: Real pleasure. Thanks, Thanks for having me. us, Stuart. The BritFlix
1: podcast is provided absolutely free. If you want to help me get the podcast out to more people, please take a moment to leave a review on iTunes. Or if you want to help me out directly, there's a link in the show notes to my Patreon page. All contributions are welcome. And the music is by Chris Reed of thecomposers.tv.